Welcome to the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. My name is Andre Chin, broker owner, real estate investor, mega agent, and real estate coach. We're going to be tackling all things real estate, bringing you guests from all across North America, mega agents, mega teams, and we're going to be diving deep into their businesses to figure out how they got to where they are and how they consistently bring that hustle into their business every single day. Buckle up, our podcast starts now. All right, welcome back to the Real Estate Hustle podcast. We've got a special guest today, none other than the man himself, Mr. Tony Joe Hall. Tony's a local realtor in the Kitchener, Waterloo area, as well as Cambridge and surrounding areas. And he's got one of the best teams I've seen out there. And I'm so excited to meet with Tony today to kind of hear about his journey and how we got. Tony, welcome. Appreciate it, man. Thank you very much. I've got a lot of respect for you, what you've done. We've known each other a long time and I'm very proud of you and where you've taken your company. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Well, you know, for the listeners and the viewers, let's let's give them a little bit of insight into into where you're at, because I don't know that people always realize how big of a business you've actually created. I know we've chatted a bit this year about it, but it sounds to me like you're over 200 units already. But what else have you guys accomplished this year? Well, you know what, I think the, uh, it, it, we, we've kind of had a, we ran into a couple of different scenarios early this year. We were chasing transactions and, uh, you know, this year we'll do anywhere from, we'll probably hit 250, I would say, which is, I would say an increase over last year. Last year we finished at 206. So the one thing I always tell people is this. Just because your transactions are up, it doesn't mean your business is up. Because if the market is up, then the market did the work for you. And the one thing about the market going up and things like that, the market going up and being a bit more you know, profitable in your GCI, that's a wonderful way of covering imperfections in your business. And it makes you think that you're flawless, right? So you know, I think uh, at the beginning of the year, I said, okay, let's add some more agents. So let's let's, let's kind of hit these numbers, 300, 400, that type of thing, modest growth. But really what we ended up doing was throughout the year was we started um, focusing more on agent productivity because, you know, the one thing about me is I, I enjoy running a team. And one of the reasons I enjoy running a team is because I enjoy the people. You know, I enjoy like like being a team leader sometimes is pretty lonely right and it's uh you you're you're really limited to mastermind amongst you know other team leaders and you know these events and stuff like that across north america which we've been starved for for the past two years so you even as team leaders we need connection we need to be able to i think get along with our team members when they get along with you you know then of course they're going to respect you and and vice versa so, I mean, I'm golfing with uh, three or four of my guys next week. You know, what we, I go out to coffee with them regularly. It's like we chat, we, we, we shoot the breeze. They come up to my cottage, you know, different things. We've got a good relationship like that. And I think that does a couple of things. It makes them respect you and want, makes them want to be the best version of themselves, not just for, for, for themselves, but it's like a personal trainer at a gym, right? It's like you go there. And a lot of the times you can't be bothered waking up and going to work out, but you know that dude's going to be standing there waiting for you. So you get your ass out of bed and you show up, right? And sometimes we do more for others than what we do for ourselves. And that's just always been the philosophy with my team and my people. Well, and, and kudos to you being a servant leader. I mean, I know a few a few guys and gals that are on your team and, and they all represent that same thing. And 
you know, really high culture within your organization. I think a lot of leaders could could learn from that. I think sometimes we forget that that when we make that choice to kind of go down this path, we have to become servant leaders first. And then secondly, we decided to go into the people business. Yes, we're in real estate, but we're also now in, in the people business. And, and so great to hear, you know, hopefully more and more team leaders hear that. Cause I, I hear a lot of people say, you know, their team leaders don't do that for them. You know, they've never had a coffee with the person that they work with, et cetera, et cetera. So, so kudos to you, Tony, that's, that's awesome. Now, did you always want a team? Did, when you started out in real estate, was that the, the goal, the plan? Did you always see this as kind of your vision? No, and, and I think um, I think I did it correctly, to be honest. I'm not just tooting my own horn here. Um, I, I never set out wanting a team. I never, because when I started this industry, I was on a team. Um, you know, and it, it was it was it was a good team, but it wasn't like the teams that have evolved now. You know, 15 years later, you know, 15 years later, you know, training and culture and lead generation and working as a team and a unit, masterminding these kind of things are commonplace amongst top teams. Um, back then, it was just like, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's all work together and see where this thing goes. And it was very much like the Wild West back when when I was on my very first team. Um, so I kind of came out of that scenario like, hey, you know what, I, um, you know, I think I'm, I'm going to be an agent. I looked up to, you know, several agents that were individuals at the time because they weren't running with teams. Many of them now have evolved to teams. Um, and so basically my business started getting bigger and growing. And, um, you know, like naturally, I just felt as if, look, I can't get to everything that I need to get to in terms of an overflow of business. And that's how the team model kind of came about. And I think that's a big mistake that a lot of people, and you, you'll know this, you, you manage a lot of teams. Um, you've seen a lot of teams come and go. Um, you know, a lot of team leaders who run a team, they basically start out their real estate career with the vision of having a team later, but they haven't really got the fundamentals in place to really kind of build that team. Because if you ask them, would you join, they wouldn't join their own team. If they if they were a team leader, which I think puts things in perspective. So I always thought, if I'm a team member, why would I want to join my team? And really, I think we did it correctly with an overflow of business. And then, you know, things haven't always been perfect. There's always been system changes and mechanics in the back that we're always shifting and working through. But I think that's part of being an entrepreneur to figure out these problems. Well, and that's, I mean, you know, we talk about that in our world quite a bit, right? Leads listings, and then you get the leverage. So I think you're right when you say that, where you make that comment about doing it the right way. A lot of guys, like you said, they just slap people together and hope for the best and hope it gets there instead of creating that business model that creates the business and then helps you grow. Now, when you look at, you know, training and culture, what do you, what do you and your folks focusing on right now? What are the skills that you're honing in on at this time with this kind of market we're in? Well, you know what? I think the biggest thing about culture, um, we've got a culture of being training uh, focused and personal development um, I know there's other teams out there and wonderful team leaders that have a very different culture where they you know take their their team out for dinner once a month and they have a, a very kind of motivation kind of um, you know I've got your back type of um, culture which is good which is fine and I think the the team really needs to be a reflection of the team leader and the team leader um, depending how that team leader is built, or has evolved to in their business, um, I think that team leader is going to train their team in that way. 
when you get somebody to it's it's like a team member when we try to get them hey look this guy sucks at cold calling or hates cold calling but he's great at door knocking right there's people that are different or there's another person that's great with online lead generation you know what lean into that person's skill you know don't don't try to work through their weakness just if they're great at door knocking just like help them out you know support them um get them out there doing what they enjoy doing more and the more they enjoy doing that the more they're going to excel and build a bigger business and i think it's the same thing that runs up the up the ladder to the team leader because that team leader they got to figure out who they are what do they enjoy about the business and how can they build a team around that and then for the other parts like culture and you know uh, eating together and things like that that other teams are doing you know, get somebody else involved in your team that that enjoys that kind of thing. We we're we're human beings. Nobody's, you know, got a one up on anybody else. Everybody, every everyone's got their own strengths. So you just hire based on that. For me personally, my culture, I always want my team members to be trained at a very high level. I want them to be able to objection handle at a high level. My training with my team is always very very intense. Like I'm not, I, like it's like they can feel my passion when I'm training them. And I, because I feel I'm a big believer that people will remember how you made them feel versus what you said. So I'm trying to make my words penetrate as much as possible, but it needs to come through in my own enthusiasm. And I enjoy that. I hope my team enjoys that. We hire based on that. And that's our culture, just personal development and always evolving within the industry. Yeah, no, and I love that. Or is your structure a little bit different or, or do your agents, you know, do you train them how to be listing agents, buyer agents, both? What, what do you folks sort of do within the Tony Joe Hall team? Well, I, I would say that a newbie coming through the ranks, um, I think if you put them on a listing presentation right away, it may not be the right thing to do because I think a listing agent has to have a certain skill set and a very different level of objection handling um you know in terms of being able to defend their commission and you know talk about their marketing and what they bring different to the table uh you know so i think there is an element of flair and experience required on the listing agent side and to be perfectly honest with someone who's selling their house i do believe they are entitled to asking very difficult questions and which a newbie may not be quite prepared for but i think a newer agent is fantastic with buyers because that new agent is just as hungry and you know wants to go out there and look at houses just as much as the buyers do so that enthusiasm it transfers and because it transfers i, I just think they enjoy the process they integrate into it a lot more um depending on where they're at with things you know they may start with some leases they may start with um some uh some first-time home buyers and i know you know over the past a lot of people have said well i don't want to i don't want to start with leases i don't want to do leases there's a couple of things you got to keep in mind number one leasing is not twelve hundred dollars a month anymore you know they're three to four thousand so the paycheck is pretty decent now if you're getting into it um once you've got that tenant's documents you can use those documents for all the different properties so it's not like you're doing a cma on every property so there is a there is an element of forgiveness there uh in terms of you know the the time that you put into a client um but also at the same time that tenant also represents a buyer in the future and we should always get missed hey, tony is is that potential tenant could be your next buyer 
Absolutely. And, you know, like these people that we see on HGTV and stuff like that, you see, they all have one thing in common. They're all renting, you yeah. know, and then they're eventually going out to buy their first home. Right. So, I mean, if somebody really wants to build a business synonymous with, you know, like working with first time buyers and stuff like that, getting into uh, getting into leasing at, at an early stage is a fantastic way to really um, build a relationship. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, we talk about that a lot in our organization as well, where that that tenant is going to become, you know, they might even become a tenant buyer if you take them down the, the rent to own route, get them in the market a little sooner, or you take them down the purchasing route. And what people fail to realize on the buy and the tenant side is those are people that are actually a lot happier through the process than sometimes our sellers are, right? Because, yeah. you know, sellers are always looking for agents that can do the best for them, sell the house, et cetera, et cetera. Buyers having fun because they get to shop and I think yeah. as a new agent coming in you know they never want the buyers they, they always want to go right to listings but they forget that the, the buyers are so much fun and you talked about that energy and then being able to like have some wins and, and that sort of stuff so I think that's that's awesome that you're doing that I caught I caught two things in there that you just said you talked about you know cold calling and door knocking and uh and then structuring the HGTV side of things and so I want to kind of get your thoughts on that stuff because I you know not everybody that comes on talks about the prospect based side of stuff a lot of guys i've moved into the online or some of the other newer as we call them techniques but it sounds like your team still does the original hustle which is that face-to-face belly-to-belly yeah yeah i mean there's different ways to do that one thing i you know what i just i just realized i, I just completely pulled a politician and didn't answer your last question <laughs> so, yeah so uh what else, you know for our, our agents do both buyers and sellers um, you know, quite often, you know, a lead comes in and they, they register as a buyer. They've got a house to sell. Um, our agent goes out there, works with them in a buyer capacity. And then, of course, they go in and, and they get the listing. The first couple of times I'll help the agent or they'll lean on to somebody a bit more experienced on the team to support them with the listing presentation. But after a while, they, they get the hang of it and they work with both buyers and sellers. But of course, with newbie agents coming in through the ranks, there's a bit more of a, there's a, bit more of a runway required before they kind of jump into that kind of thing. What well, um, you mentioned training and, and consulting, right? So you, you're putting them through a training program so that they can work their way to that side of things. And, and I think a lot of agents, you also mentioned, you know, defending your community handling objections these are things that I think a lot of agents coming into the business don't realize the skill set that's needed to do what we do at such a high level that it's not simply yeah. just walk in the door sign the listing you've got it there's work that comes involved in there right absolutely you know I got a funny story for you so this kind of goes hand in hand with the question that you just asked there about do we still do door knocking and cold calling and stuff like that so I was at home last week and uh I, I was, it was like two o'clock on a Wednesday or something like that. So like, what the heck, what the hell am I doing at home? But I was at home because uh, I, my furnace broke down. So the, the furnace guys at the, at the door. Um, so, you know, I let him in and he's working away. And then all of a sudden I'm just, I'm just sitting there just uh, on my couch. I literally just sat down. And then all of a sudden the door knocks. And then I was like, hey, you know, I just let the dude in. I let him in through the garage. Did he lock himself out or something? So that's why I'm walking to the door thinking the furnace guy's locked himself out. Um, and then I open the door and it's like a young guy. And uh, he's got a bunch of uh, feature sheets in his hand. And, uh, you know, he presents himself well. And he said, uh, hey, uh, I can't remember his script, but 
he said he just leaned right in and said hey this is who i am and with uh keller williams and uh i, I just wanted to see if you uh, we got a buyer looking in the area or something like that and then he he went quiet he was staring at me and i just took my hand out and i said hey i'm Tony joel and then uh he like he he went like 50 shades of red right there and uh he, he was just such a nice guy so humble and you know i i respect that dude's hustle man I, you know, he said to me, he asked me a question. He says, what do you think of door knocking? He said, should I do it? And I said, do you enjoy it? And uh, he said, he does. And he said, but is there other things that I can do? And I said to him, I said, look, whether it's my team, whether you're at Keller Williams, whether you're at any other team and things like that, the objective is simple. You got to get face to face with people. And whether you do that with door knocking, cold calling, calling online leads, it doesn't really matter. The objective is you need to be having quality conversations with people. And that's what my team and I always focus on. And, uh, you know, I, I always tell my team, my job is to ensure that you have an overflow of business. That's always been our philosophy. And, you know, there, there's when you have an overflow of business, it then becomes a management thing about making sure that they... They, they manage to balance what's on their plate. It's not fair to the agent if they're overworked and not enjoying life for their career. And it's certainly not fair to the client if they're not getting a call back or, you know, like uh, things are falling through the cracks. So um, figured I'd share that story with you. I was going to text you that, but I completely forgot. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it all works, man. It's just people got to put in the work. Well, and I love that you said that, right? Because it, it, you're right. It doesn't matter which brokerage you're at. It doesn't matter which team you're at. It doesn't matter where it is. Are you willing to put in the work? And that's really what's separating the successful agents from the agents that are floundering or the agent that gets out of this business. And I think a lot of people don't realize how big the failure rate is in our industry, right? I mean, it's, was it like 90% of agents don't even get to five years in the industry? And, you know, the ones that are left out of that tend to, you know, trickle in and out year after year so it's not one of those industries that you just walk in and everybody lists with you now there are success stories there are people that get that but we preach the same thing I don't care how you do it just get in front of people right and, and whatever method whatever that is for you just do that you know one of the things that that I, you know I wanted to kind of pick your brain on is, you know, you and I have been doing it. I think you've been in it a, a bit longer than I have, but I know that we come in with, with these myths and these things that we think about, but what's something that threw you a curveball that you just didn't expect when you became a realtor and now that you've got a team? Um, the myths um, that, uh, that every new product or every sort of government uh, interjection, intervention into the market is, is, going, to, is going to hurt the realtor. Right. I think, um, you know, we, we've been through a lot. That to me is the biggest myth that all these external factors are going to take out our industry. You know, I, I, would, I would say that, you know, like, you look back and I remember when they first introduced HST on new builds, we were like, Oh my God, like an extra 13%. This is going to cripple the new housing market, but it hasn't, you know, or the pandemic came and shut down the entire planet. It didn't, it didn't hurt the real estate market. You know, the, these uh, discount brokerages and these uh, for sale by owner companies coming along, it didn't hurt the real estate industry. 
you know, like um, these disruptors coming from everywhere, it doesn't hurt the real estate industry. You know, yes, for sure. What it does do, Andre, is I believe it helps us narrow in on the focus on what it is that we should be doing and maybe doing it at a higher level. But I would tell agents this, do not ever believe the myth that disruptors are going to come in and take your job. Because certainly there's always going to be, you know, disruptors coming in and, uh, you know, making you do things a little bit differently. But evolution is, is a good thing. I mean, I remember when they were, there was an outrage about sellers getting sold data. But I mean, if, if your only value proposition is being the guardian of sold data, then you don't have much of a business. You know what, to me, that's the best thing ever, because now all of a sudden, when I'm coming in, I'm giving somebody a price, they already have a fair idea of where they're at. So they've already preconditioned themselves. And you show me any realtors who, any reputable realtor whose business has gone down because sellers have access to sold data. No, nobody. You know, like, I think um, we have to learn that disruptors are going to come and go and the myth that they come in and they're going to destroy the industry is completely wrong. This is a people business. This is a get in front of people, articulate your value at a high level, show them support, communication, feedback, show them what you can do for them that they can't do on their own. Make it fast, easy and predictable. That's what people want in a realtor. I mean, think about it. If you, want, if you go to the barber shop and the guy's cutting you a different haircut every single time, you, all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't know what to expect this time. But you go back to the same person because you're getting a predictable outcome. Yeah. Right? And you'll pay the dollar. And so that's really, uh, that's where I would tell people, don't worry too much about external factors. A lot of people have had, you know, a lot of problems over the past two years with the pandemic and fighting personal demons and things like that. And kind of looking within themselves and thinking how this is going to impact their life, their business. I would say, don't bother. I would say, don't let it get to you. If real estate is something you're passionate about, if people is something you're passionate about, if you love homes and the construction and, you know, if this is something that's in your blood, run with it. I would agree with that. And, and I think, you know, you, you said it there where this is a people business and, and we keep coming back to that over and over. And, and that's it exactly, right? They, relationships are why we should be doing this, not just for another paycheck or anything else. So if you're building relationships, it doesn't matter the disruptor that comes in, you have a relationship with them a disruptor, a piece of tech, a this, a discount, none of that stuff's really going to matter if you truly have a relationship with them. Now, if you haven't built a business based on that, then yeah, you know what? They're going to go online or they're going to go other places. You know, they're going to get Tony's jingle in their ear. And, and my kids, by the way, they sing your song almost every day. So just so you know, it, it's catchy. But, you know, it's it's exactly that. If you provide value to people, then they will automatically stick with you through that process. Because the only time price or commission or any of that stuff matters is in the, in the absence of value. What I found really interesting over the last two years is if you're watching the disruptors or the people that are trying to get into our industry, they've all now circled back and realized that the real estate agent is the center point of every transaction. They can't get rid of us. So, you know, yes, there's this fear that, you know, we're going to be the next version of Uber, you know, they're going to put us on these apps, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that's really going to happen for us because of that face-to-face -face relationship that we create with people. And it's the largest asset they have, right? Like imagine your $1.5 million house and someone's showing up to show it from an app 
never met the client, don't know them, this and that. How comfortable would you feel as a, as a seller having people just traipsing through your house without realtor representation? So I think, you know, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there where you said we have to continue to just be people centric and, and people focus all the way through. Now, I want to give some context because we, we've talked about the pandemic a little bit. We've talked about this market. So for anyone that's tuning in, depending on when you're listening to this, it's the start of October where, you know, that R word is being kicked around, recession, you know, the market's tough, interest rates are really high, and this is coming right after the pandemic. Things have, have started opening up. So just so you know where we're talking about, it didn't matter in the great market that we just had. It doesn't matter in this market that we've just had. Kind of like what Tony's saying is, is double down, do your lead gen, whatever that is, and get in front of more people. Now, Tony, when you look at um, sort of the biggest challenges you and your team are facing right now, how are you folks tackling that in this kind of economy? Uh, well, uh, you mean like with, with our clients or just uh, running the team? Uh, both sides, right? I mean, client side and team side, because, you know, this market presents challenges, I think, on both sides of that. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say that um, the, the hardest part about coming into a shift is the, the very beginning of it, because you're not just wrestling, dropping prices, you're wrestling mindset of the consumer. And once the consumer kind of adapts and acclimates to the new, new market and the new way that things are, all of a sudden, it does make our job a little bit easier. And the worst part about this, this shift that we just came out of right now was a lot of people had purchased a house without selling their existing house. And now all of a sudden, they are in a position where they cannot close on the other house without the sale of their present house. So, you know, being an agent and just always keeping your phone on and kind of walking people through the, 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 the process is super important. And you got to be asking for those price reductions. If you feel it in your heart that this property needs a price reduction, you cannot be afraid to have that. You know, you got to. I, mean, I don't know how gender neutral this is, but you got to pull up your big boy pants and actually call the client and say, "Look, you're you're paying me for my honesty. So here's what where we need to be. Whether whether you fire me because of this or not, we do need to bring your price down fifty thousand dollars." And, you know, let be, be prepared for a bit of backlash and stuff like that. That's normal. Um, but again, this is where the professionalism kicks in. It's not always going to be easy. And in a, in a shift, it's definitely not easy for the client, but it's definitely not easy for the realtor. So I would say the challenge that we've came out of right now is kind of dealing with people and their expectations. Um, right now, I would say the biggest challenge that we face is this, is, um, you know, buyers a little bit timid and you know just a little bit cautious about jumping in and things like that where do you know should we wait should we hold off my advice to buyers and the agents on my team who are working with the buyers all the time is this you have to speak to the buyer and let them know this isn't about the market this is about the home that they're buying right so i mean like sometimes they're walking into a house or walking through a house and they're like oh my god i love it you know, it's got the backyard we want. It's in the family area that we want. It's in the school zone we want. The house is beautiful. There's nothing to do. This is the house of our dreams. It's 700 grand. Okay, maybe we'll just stay back and we'll just, you know, watch to see if this thing drops to 650. Well, if that thing were ever to drop to 650, it's going to take a couple of months. And then by then, that house is going to be sold. It's going to be gone. And you're going to be settling for another house. It doesn't quite fit those bills 
uh, or sorry, it doesn't quite fit those, uh, those, those points that were important to you because you chased the, the dollar versus the, the ideal home. And when you actually factor that into your payment, then really what you're talking about, 700000 compared to $650,000, you are talking about a couple of hundred dollars. So you've sacrificed something that was perfect that checked all your boxes for a couple of hundred dollars. If you were a couple of hundred dollars away from like defaulting on a mortgage payment, you're starting way too high in the first place anyways. So you shouldn't have looked at that $700,000 house to begin with. If you were comfortable with that payment, you should have made the decision based on all the other factors that impact the house other than payment. And so these are the things that I'm speaking to my agents about and just bringing it to a buyer's attention. You know, buyers wrestling with that question right now, how, you know, should I buy now or should I buy later? Well, it really comes down to where are you at with your personal circumstances? Where is your job at? Is it solid? How about a relationship? Are you in one? Is it going to get serious? Is it going to fall apart? How many people have you and I dealt with, Andre, where we sold them a house and then six months later, they're calling saying they have to sell because they want to buy a bigger house because they and their spouse hooked up or because they and their spouse split up. So you got to look at other factors in your life because there's always going to be houses available. There's always going to be a real estate market where you can purchase a house. But if you're in a good position and all the stars in are, are in alignment in your personal life, financially, with your job, with your kids, then maybe it is time to maybe, you know, secure something. Absolutely. So that's from a client perspective. Right. Um, you know, with the, with the team, to be perfectly honest, what we did was this. Um, I, I, I used this example with my team on, uh, on Monday. Uh, so going back to the beginning of the pandemic, this was March of 2020. And then, you know, the whole world seems like it seemed like it was collapsing. You know, like listings that we were supposed to be taking were like, you know, sellers saying I'm pulling it off the market. I'm not going to do anything. Buyers saying I'm not going out. Um, you know, you look out and, you know, the, the roads are quiet. The highways are quiet. The mall parking lots are dead. You're like, what the hell? It's like an apocalypse. And then, you know, it's very easy for the realtor to start to lose faith in their business and start to think to themselves, look, maybe this isn't a good time to be an agent. And so for, for all of the, the remainder of March and then probably the first couple of weeks of April, everybody was kind of feeling sorry for themselves. Like, what do we do? And, you know, walk into the, the only place you can go to is a grocery store. And even then you're dressed like an astronaut. It's just like, it just, it was very a surreal time. So what I said was, I said to my agents, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to become their news every single day. I don't want them to be opening up the news articles or watching news or listening to news on the radio. I'm going to be their news every single day and I'm going to start it right. So what I did was I took my team every single morning and we started Zoom calling at nine o'clock from nine o'clock to about 10 o'clock, 1030. Started with what are we grateful for? What are our wins? What are our losses? You know, who's got, you know, what on the go? And then we would do a little bit of training because it's important to start their mindset right. And so during that month of April and May, our team during those two months um, on, in, in uh, April of 2020, and this, you can go back and, and people can go back and look at the stats. My team took a 14% market share of all of the transactions in April. And then in May, the market started picking up. We took a 10% market share because what we did was we stuck to our fundamentals every morning at nine o'clock, got together. 
We lead generated, we called our clients back, we got them out viewing properties. This was an opportunity for people that they just couldn't miss. And we made sure that everybody took advantage of that. And so we, we, we came into the pandemic just swinging, running through it, we powered through it in a big way. So those are the things that, you know, whatever challenges that people face, and now, like you said, the upcoming word are recession. You know what? All it takes is for the media to say we are now officially in a recession. Then all of a sudden, people's mindsets go, oh, my God, recession. But I'll tell you what, in every recession, there's winners and there's people that don't win. Yeah. And you, ha you have complete control on what side of the fence you fall on. And it all has to do with digging into your fundamentals, dialing into your lead generation, because even in a recession, people need to buy and sell a house. Guess what, though? Your competition, who is not doing that, will eventually leave, and your business will probably improve over those months. You know, it's amazing to hear that, right? Because a lot of people think that when I say that or other people say that, you know, we're, we're kind of talking talking a little bit out of our ass, but the reality is success leaves clues. And that's one of the biggest clues is that there's always houses to sell. What are your activities? How are you going to take your piece of that pie? A 14% market share when everybody's running scared is, is impressive. Congratulations. Now, you know, what, what's something that you would say, you know, every new agent has to hear? Because we get a lot of new listeners that, that listen to the show. What's something that you think, you know, you're coming into our world. What do you need to know? I, I would say learn the fundamentals, first of all. You know, with every single client, there is multiple steps involved. You got to generate the lead. You got to convert the lead. You got to meet with the lead. You got to take them out to view properties. You got to write up offers. People focus on the offers, taking them out to view houses. They focus on the last parts way too much. But the last parts, meeting with them, getting them out to view properties, writing offers. Guess what? These three things will never be possible without the first two things, lead generation and converting them at a high level. So master these two. Once you master these two, whether you're a newbie or a rainmaker, these two things you should never, ever let go of. Yeah. Because When I say rainmaker, I mean, you know, you know uh, delegate effectively versus abdicating. Um, you know, I would... So I would definitely say fo focus on these to learn how to lead generate at a high level and learn how to convert at a high level, because this is ultimately going to be the reason why your business is going to fail or succeed. And I always tell people, just because you got a client on the phone, just because you got them out looking at houses, it doesn't mean it's going to represent a transaction. So what you need to do is the minute you get the analogy I always use is you got to get as many buyers to the edge of the swimming pool as possible, because they're not all going to jump in half of them are going to jump in. And if you've only got one client, half of one is zero. You're not going to get anybody transacting. That's a half of one is half. But I mean, that doesn't mean a deal. Doesn't mean a deal. No, not at yeah. all. So no. you got it. What are you going to do to get five people to the edge of the pool, 10 people to the edge of the pool? That's what you know your focus needs to be on, the basics, the fundamentals. Counting on that fallout, right? Now, yeah. when, you know, as you're starting to, to, to look at this sort of stuff, what are your habits looking like? Like, are you, are you an up at 4 a.m. type guy, gym every morning? Like, what are your habits that support this level of success for you? You know what? It really comes down to three things. It's three different parts of a human being and their health, their physical health, their relational health, and their business health. So I build my day around those three things. If anybody wanted to stalk me, I'm so easy to find. 
like I'm so boring and predictable. It's like, I'll get up at five every morning. I'll hit the gym um, probably around six and then I'll be done by about seven 30 and back home. Um, you know, spending time with the kids uh, before they head out to school. And then my wife or I'll take them to uh, school. So there you've got a little, you got your physical health and you've got, you know, like kind of like your day started with your kids versus them waking up and you're not there. So then while they're at school from nine to five, I'm at the office focusing on my business health. And then after five, six, I'm usually back home hanging out with the kids. And then every weekend I'm with my kids at the cottage. Um, that's usually the time where we spend nothing but quality time together. So it's a balance of, of, of those three things, business health, finance, uh, business health, relational health, and your physical health. And then under each one of those categories, there's uh, uh, each, each one of those things, there's obviously a whole bunch of stuff that falls under as subtopics, like your business, how much of your day represents working on your business versus in your business, yeah. you know, um, your health, how much of it is meal prep, how much of it is working out, uh, choices that you're making, relational health, are you spending time with your wife, your kids? Are you being husband and wife or are you just mom and dad all the time? You know, these are the things that we're always looking at. I love that. No, and, and, you know, nothing wrong with that, Tony. I think that consistency, again, success leaves clues, right? I mean, you're not the first person to come on and say this. You're, you won't be the last person. That structure, that rigidity in our world, you know, to a lot of people, it sounds like you said, it sounds boring. It sounds whatever, but you kind of have to do that to get to the level of business that you're doing right now. And I think if more agents would start that earlier, they would, you know, they would have the habits that then propel them to create the same habits in their business. And it, like you said, physical business and relationships, that's your primary. And then outside of that, you know, there's the other smaller, smaller ones you got to take care of, but those are your three big rocks that you don't necessarily want to drop. Right now, looking at, you know, looking at some of the other stuff, if you could, you know, I got a couple more questions. We're almost done. If you could restart your business, would you do it any differently or would you do it exactly the same way and get to this point again? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, yes and no. Um, there's definitely parts of my business that I, um, I think I wish I would have mastered sooner. My biggest regret, to be honest, Andre, is this. I wish I hired a coach earlier, without question. And there's people out there, and I read these real estate forums, and people are like, who needs a coach? Everything is on YouTube. Well, it's like, you know, you, you, you can, there's basketball tutorials on YouTube. Doesn't mean you're going to get in the NBA, right? Um, I think anybody that's, that's in this industry and leading in, at a very high level, They've all got coaches. So who who are you to say that you are you're, you're either too good for coaching or you don't believe in coaching? Well, I just think you haven't found the right coach if that's your experience so far. Professional athletes, uh, movie stars, um, you know, rock stars—they all have coaches. Whether it's a vocal coach, whether it's uh, acting accent coach or whether it's uh you know a physical cristiano ronaldo most popular athlete in the world he's got so many coaches yeah. right i mean who are we to say that i that's the one thing that i wish i had taken up sooner i wish i had been coached and guided a little bit sooner 
I, you know, I would agree with that. And that was one of mine as well as I started going through. Now, you know, as we start looking at the future and dreaming big and thinking big, what does the future of, of your business look like? Where are we going to see you end up um, in the next, you know, two to five years? Well, I think um, definitely within our own market, there's still opportunities for growth. There's definitely um, opportunities to continue to, to get in a few more hundred transactions. Definitely. Um, I would like to see our team kind of grow to the surrounding areas as well. Um, you know, anywhere within an hour to two hours of our um, our existing demographic, that would be that would be good. I think as the Canadian population, Ontario population increases, there's definitely going to be a need for strong real estate teams and uh, proper systems to help people get to there. So I would definitely say expansion into into other markets is the long term vision, um, but definitely mastering our existing um, market is the uh, is the key. My, my mission right now is to make sure everybody in Waterloo Region knows Tony Joe Hall and the Tony Joe Hall team because there comes a point where people will do business with you because of who you are versus what you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. And, and we're so excited to see that. One of the things we always say is, you know, we're going to bring you back at some point in a year, a couple of years, we're going to check in on that business. So our listeners can can see that you're going to accomplish that because I know that you will. You know, last little fun one, because you just said it, everyone, you want everyone to know who you are. Who came up with the jingle? Was that you? Did you have a team help you with that? <laughs> uh, you know what, to be perfectly honest, it was, uh, it was my radio rep um at the time and the thing about the thing about my radio rep was he he wasn't a salesperson he was a, he was in the sales job but this guy loved music this guy loved music he, he he would he would write songs in his spare time he had a passion for this and because he had a passion for this as soon as i met with him he was taking down notes and he said look do you mind if i just crank something out and the first jingle was a uh, was was kind of inspired by a Justin Timberlake uh, song. I can't remember the song. Oh, can't stop the music. Yeah. And I heard it, and I'm like, I don't know, man. It's uh, it's a little bit too too weird for me. I don't like it. And then he's like, Okay, what are you listening to? And I, I'm a huge Bruno Mars fan. I love Bruno Mars. And um, you know, he, he said, okay, that's awesome. Give me a few days. And he came back and he wrote the jingle with a Bruno Mars kind of theme to it. And uh, we okayed it with Bruno's people through our person in Vancouver. So, and then they all put it, they all stitched it together. And that, that was kind of it. That was it. Um, so it was, it was a radio guy that came up with it. But the fundamental lesson in all of this is always do business with, with a supplier or somebody, a salesperson, whether it's, you know, if, 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 if this is a person that's not a realtor watching this podcast right now, I would say this. If you're going to hire an agent, make sure that person loves the industry because they're going to take you to levels that you just didn't think were, were possible. And that's why, why my jingle guy, uh, my radio rep, I always say he was a musician first and sold radio ads second. It needs to be the same way. You got to love people and you got to love real estate for you to, to really kind of take somebody's experience to the next level. 
I love it. Well, it works because like I said, my, my kids, they hear it on the radio. They're singing it in the house. You know, guys, we got our own real estate team. I'm <laughs> calling Tony to sell our house. So I love it. You know, we, we hear it every day. If you're rolling through Waterloo region, you're going to hear it. Tune in 91.5 The Beat. Tony, what's the best way for someone to connect with you? I know a lot of our people will reach out. You know, they'll make connections with you. Is social media best or do you want them yeah. to, to text you? Social media, what's your Instagram? Absolutely. I think social media is great because a lot of the questions that come in via email can be answered on our social media because a lot of people are saying, you know, what kind of social media are you doing or what kind of videos should I be doing? And I would tell people, follow us on Instagram, Tony Joe Paul real estate team check out our instagram it's public as far as i know so check it out and uh you can you can definitely see who we are what we do our core values how we how we market and if there's any questions that go beyond that reach out to me awesome i love it so check it out tony joe hall real estate team on instagram tony thank you so much for being here Folks, that's another episode of the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. Tony, we'll have you back in a couple of years, if not next year, to kind of check in and see how your business has grown. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Very my grateful to have you on the show and just gems. I've got pages and pages of notes like we always do when we chat. And guys, this is the real deal. Like Tony says, just get out there, focus on your activities, focus on the two things, lead generation and conversion, and you'll be okay. It doesn't matter the market. Tony, thank you so much. We appreciate you today. My pleasure. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Now you can find us, the Real Estate Hustle Podcast. We're on every major outlet and on Spotify and Apple Music. We're also on Instagram at therealestatehustle.com. And we'll see you there. Tony, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. My pleasure. See you, buddy.